to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to second what Brother Max has already said, guest. As always, it's an honor to have you with us, and we sure are thankful for you being here and appreciate you giving some time to hang out with us this morning. And then I've just, I've kind of been on uh, an excitement high about this. I'm so thankful that we had, that Christmas was on a Sunday this year, and that doesn't happen that often. It was such a great day that we had last Sunday, and then I'm so thankful to begin the new year here in church together, and just thankful for that. Thankful, I'm thankful for each one of you, and so, so thankful for God's, God's desire to work in your life. So we, I, I know there's so many things that, that people say, and you hear lots of stuff, we genuinely believe in a real God who knows you right where you are, and he has a purpose for your life. We believe that. And it, it doesn't matter where you are in your life and what you've been through, how others have hurt you or how you've hurt others, how you've failed. There is a God who is all about finding people where they are and doing amazing things in their lives. That's who we serve. And this morning, we're going to look at a very familiar passage and a truth that I have conveyed before in years past, but by the help of God, I pray that you can hear it, whether the first time, or you've heard it many times, with a fresh perspective of how God would use it in your life. So 1 Samuel 17, verse number 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah and the Ephdamamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Do you see it? You see it? You got the valley? I um, mean, you go up into the Owyhees, you can look across, and you can see the Boise foothills that lead up into the Boise National Forest. You get up on top of Bogus, you look the other direction, you can see all the Owyhees. There's, there's a valley, and there's opposing forces. Look, I would prefer to live life without ever having to face an opposing force. I'd be good with that, but that's not life. It's not your life. And so in verse 4, there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. And then it, it describes him, and he really is an unbelievable figure, but he is a real figure. His height, his weight, his strength is massive whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. It would crush a normal man, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 
600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him and he stood and he cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are ye come out to set your battle in, in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye the servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You see the valley? Now do you see the giant? For some of you, he's not named Goliath. For some of you, he's named Cancer. For some of you, he's not named Goliath. He's named Betrayal. For some of you, he's not named Goliath. He's named Failure. For some of you, he's not named Goliath. He's named an anxiety that speaks to you at night that your life isn't worth living. For some of you, his name isn't Goliath. His name is bitterness. For some of you, his name isn't Goliath. His name is a need to submit. For some of you, his name isn't Goliath. His name is a doubt that God even cares about you. Do you see the valley? I don't want you to see a giant. I want you to see your giant. Do you see him? Do you see his name? Do you hear him? Well, in our text, we'll skip this part. Jesse, who has three sons in the battle already, sends David, the youngest and most unnoticed of his sons, to go check on them, bring them supplies. In verse 20, David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array army against army and there are these skirmishes that break out in different spots around the valley. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. And ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them, and all the men of Israel noticed these words when they saw the man. Hey, hey, they saw the giant too. Do you see your giant? You got him? They saw the giant too. And they fled from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, here we go again. Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach? From Israel, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, who with a, along with every other grown man in that army, was cowering in fear, 
looking at that giant, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And most of the time, jealous people are going to be vengeful people. And he said, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David, he didn't insult Eliab. He said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Everybody in that army saw a giant. David saw the giant. But David saw someone else. Just a little bigger than the giant. Here's the title. In 2023, who will you see? You see your giant? You see him? You got him? You got his name? There's a God there. And you're going to choose who you focus on. And in whose shadow you live. Shadow of the giant or the shadow of the Almighty. God, would you help us? Help us to hear. Lord, help it. I, I sincerely ask this. Help this not to be any longer than it needs to be. But help people, regardless of time, to give attention to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It would be pretty fun if we could make New Year's resolutions for our kids. I mean, so for those of you that have kids, force New Year's resolutions on them. Were you supposed to sing? I had no idea. Go back to the piano. Okay, so for all of our guests, this is not normally how it goes. The, the error in the bulletin should not have happened. Please forgive me for that. Normally, I'm waiting for the musician to walk up on the platform after I read the text. And I didn't, I didn't know Brother Nate, so I am sorry. Please forgive me for that. Brother Nate, sing. Joshua waxed old and was stricken in age. And he called for all of Israel to impart a word of grace. He said, the Lord our God has given us this place. So cleave unto the Lord your God as you have done unto this day. Will you fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth? Or serve the false gods of this land, which are wood and stone and mute. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Possess your land, take a stand, serve the Lord, follow his command keep the faith don't back down those who put their trust in God will hold their ground for the Lord is our rock it is he who fights for us put your trust in the Lord's almighty hand 
possess your land. The world has surely changed, but our God remains the same. But our idols are not silent, and they profane our Lord's name. Will you live separate and holy, since the Lord has made you whole? Will you be the light for some lost dying soul? Our land is not of earth, for in Christ our hope is found. We are called to preach the gospel truth that his glory may abound. Will you ignore the call to spread the word to every man? Or will you take on the mission to fulfill God's holy plan? Possess your land. Take a stand. faith don't back down those who put their trust in God will hold their ground for the Lord is our God it is he that fights for us put your trust in the Lord's almighty hand possess your land a blessing, Brother Nate. It sure was worth me figuring out what was going on. Uh, he, if that terminology sounds familiar to some of you, it's because he wrote that based on the series we've been preaching out of Joshua, and that was a blessing. I sure do appreciate it, Brother Nate. So I was daydreaming about this. It would be awesome if I could force New Year's resolutions on my kids. Now, if my kids were making New Year's resolutions, it would be this. I'm going to eat Snickers. My parents are going to let me play more Xbox. Um, schoolwork is going to be less importanter in my life. <laughs> um, but I, I just think it would be fun if as parents, instead of giving gifts, we can give you New Year's resolutions. So I wrote some down. No more unsanctioned haircuts. It, you know, when your four-year-old beauty salon expert, like, finds scissors and then just goes to town on themselves? It's the best. Yeah. You know, color paper, not walls. So I, I, I had this flashback, um, Ashlyn, who is 18 and beautiful and mature and is a, is a sweet young lady. Back, back when, when, we, when she was younger, we found writing in the church foyer on the wall. <laughs> like, I wonder what deacon's kid did that. Well, it wasn't the deacon's kid, it was the pastor's kid. <laughs> I mean, she was like two. 
or 13. I can't remember anyway. <laughs> I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding, sweetheart. You're going to eat an occasional vegetable without bribery or cajoling. You're actually going to keep your room clean without ever having to be told. Wouldn't it be, isn't it miraculous when your kids walk into the room and they go, this is unacceptable. (laughs) Well, I don't actually know what that's like. I want to know what that's like. You know how you ask your kids, hey, is your room clean? And they step on 87,000 things and they're like, yeah, it looks good. (laughs) What What are you looking at? You're going to sleep in your bed all night. Okay, now look, this isn't actually one that I struggle with because our kids basically sleep in prisons. We put them in dog kennels. You're not coming to my bed, so that's fine. That was a joke. I'm just messing around. But some of you know what it's like. You knock it on the door and you just finally go to sleep and it's, I'm scared. No, you're not. You think you're scared. You come in this room right now. Okay. <laughs> I just want to enjoy my... My pillow, isn't that called the thing, my pillow? Isn't that a company? Yeah. Enjoy my pillow. You're going to stop making your parents read the same book to you every night and get some variety. I mean, we could go on and on about these silly things, but if you've ever been a parent, if you are a parent or you've invested in someone, you, you know what it's like to think, man, I really want my kid to get this. It not and, and I'm I'm being silly and ridiculous on purpose. Not not because I want to harm them, but because I want good for them. No, in truth, there are lessons that you want your children to learn because you know not only in the immediate, but especially down the road, it's going to be good for them. Right. And there are things that you want them to learn, and disciplines you want them to develop, and passions that you want to be stirred within them because you know down the road. This is going to be to your benefit, and and I want you to have this. We have, you have, if you are saved, and if you're not, you can have it. By trusting in Jesus Christ, you have a perfect heavenly Father. Now, I don't know where you're at in your journey of faith, and I don't know everything that you've been through, but if you're a child of God, there's nothing you can do to cease being a child of God, because your status with Him doesn't depend on you, it depends on Jesus Christ, and once you're saved, you're always saved, and this morning, regardless of where you are, or where you've been, or what's going on, you have a perfect, heavenly Father who loves you. I can say it this way without in any way trying to lower God, but Jesus himself compares the perfect father to the good of imperfect fathers. And to help us understand how good he is, I believe that in this text there is a resolution that God as our father would want us to have. And that's this. I want you to learn how to face your giants. Let's assume that 2023 is going to have some good in it. Can we assume that for a minute? I'm okay with that. Like going to a thrift store, finding something good. Let's assume. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. You're like, what's a thrift store? Go to a Goodwill or to a Savers or to the desert place. <laughs> Fine, man, I didn't, I didn't expect to find this here. 
good. I've, I agree. God can, God is, God will do good things in the lives of his people this year. God's going to do good things in the lives of people, period. And there will be opportunities for people to understand his goodness and to have a heart of faith towards him. But we can assume, because of who God is, that God is going to do good in our lives. But we can also assume this. There's going to be some giants that we face. It doesn't mean that we should live in fear. It doesn't mean that we should live without hope. It doesn't mean that we should live under a rock. It doesn't mean that we should despair and be depressed and have the attitude that the best days are behind us. But there are realities that we have to deal with. Number one, we live in a world that is cursed with the presence of sin. Not because God forced it upon us, but because we as a human race chose it. And that sin has been perpetually passed down without any break in the cycle except for Jesus Christ. And that curse of sin is felt all around us. You have an enemy who hates you. Trials are going to come in all shapes and sizes. You could talk about financial uncertainty. You could talk about an overreaching government that is continuing to perilously steam away from the truth of God into what is certainly destructive and harmful for our nation, for other nations. There are increasing efforts in our culture to normalize, to, to normalize very destructive and harmful behaviors. And in your own life, you are facing giants that maybe have been caused because of the harm someone else did to you, or maybe they've been caused because of the failures and neglects in your own life. We certainly in our lives can have both, can't we? We have been guilty of failure. We have been failed by people. There are sicknesses that, are, that come. There are, there are sorrows and losses that come. And the point is this. There are going to be giants. There have been. And there are going to be giants. And we, in, in secular Christianity, in this modern view of the Bible and of Christ, there is this idea that if you follow God the right way, then nothing bad ever happens. No, you can follow God and your child gets sick. You can follow God and your marriage fail. You can follow God and be hurt deeply. You can follow God and things not go well at your job. You can follow God and there are going to be challenges that come with that. The balance is this, that faith doesn't, doesn't help us avoid every giant. Now look, on the other side of that, and this is just so you know what I'm not thinking, there are some, some challenges that we can avoid when we follow God. True or not? Yeah, there are some self-inflicted things that if we'd live by faith, we would avoid them. But then there are those things that it doesn't matter how right you are, you're not going to be able to avoid certain giants. They are going to come because other people are bent on resisting God, because of circumstances that have no human explanation, because of sorrows and trials. Biblical faith doesn't teach us to avoid 
every single giant because not every giant can be avoided. Biblical faith teaches us how to overcome the giants that we face. Goliath was a real giant. He was a deadly force. He was an intimidating foe. He seemed to be an overwhelming shadow that could not be overcome. Just like when you sit in a doctor's office and you hear a diagnosis that takes your breath away. Just like when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you weep either in shame or heartache or both. Just like when you look into the eyes of someone that you thought you could trust and feel like you've been harmed deeply. Just like when you go into your job one day and you're expecting, man, this is just going to be another good day and a job that I'm thankful for. And your boss meets you at the door and says, look, I'm sorry, corporate is making cutbacks and you fell into this category and we need you to clean out your locker and go home because you don't have a job anymore. like when you stand beside a casket and wonder how you're going to survive. Do you see the giant? There was a real giant, but that's not the only thing. Look at verse number 29. I, I love how David defers the personal insult of Eliab this is an older brother who's acting like a coward, talking smack to a 16, 17-year-old, however old he was, who has great faith in God. And Eliab begins to insult him. And David says, what have I now done? You're attacking me as though I'm the enemy. And then he asks him this question, is there not a cause? And what he's asking him is this, is there not a reason to believe? Is there not a reason to hope? Is there not a reason to fight? Is there not a purpose for which we ought to be motivated and be willing to fight for and be willing to face this giant for? It's not just that there was a giant, there was a purpose. There was a purpose for Israel. There was a purpose for that nation. There was a purpose for them existing at that time. There was a purpose for them becoming a nation, being brought out of Egypt and fulfilling the promise to Abraham and then using the leadership of Moses, then Joshua, and then bringing Saul to power and then eventually bringing David to power. God, this was the purpose. God was at work and he wanted to accomplish his purpose in the life of that nation. But please get this. God's work in your life doesn't always go around the giants. Sometimes it goes right through the giants. And you're going to come to seasons in your life, whether you're there because of you or you're there because of someone else or you're there because of some combination of it, you're going to come to a place to where you are face-to-face -face with a giant. And God's not saying, well, you can detour or you can detour. You can spend your life trying to detour, but the truth is there are people who are still in a cycle of trying to take detours instead of facing the giant that has been in their path for decades. So what are you talking about? For some people, there's a giant right there called forgiveness. No, no, look, either forgiving someone else or accepting the fact that God really does forgive you and doesn't want you living in the past. And there's a giant, and you're trying to spend years taking detours instead of dealing with the giant. For some of you, that giant is obedience in a specific area. 
You know that where you're at is wrong. You know that something that you've done it needs to be corrected. You know there needs to be a change. And you can spend your life trying to take detours or you can confront the giant that is in front of you that is called submission. And I'm messed up in this and I, I need to get it right. It's a giant. You know what also is there? God's still working in your life. This is what we think. There's a giant. God doesn't have a purpose. No, God loves you. God likes you. God has an eternal purpose for your life. God wants to use you. It it doesn't matter where you are. God wants to work in your life to accomplish an amazing purpose, to use you, to heal you, to help you, to restore you, to use you in the lives of other people. But it's not going to be by going around a giant. It's going to be by facing that thing that is right in front of you. God had a purpose even when there was a giant. But like these guys were, we can live today trying to avoid giants. And if you do that, you're going to live without seeing everything that God could do. Look, to some of my brothers, I'm just, I will continue to deal with this. For my own sake, for the sake of my sons, for the sake of my young brothers that sit here, for the sake of my young sisters that sit here, for the sake of every single person, for the sake of every married person, for the sake of anyone that would ever be in this sanctuary, please, please get this, pornography and sexual temptation are not going away. And there might be some, you sit in here or you sit in a church like this with regularity, just thinking, ah, it's not a big deal. It's not going to mess up my relationships. No, look, I know, there's a, I know there's this cultural acceptance that that's just norm. It's not normal in the kingdom of God. It's not right in the kingdom of God. And it does have consequences that... That go and, and people are finally starting to be honest about it in their research, both relationally and sexually and mentally, about the effects of what that does when it's not dealt with. And I'm telling you, you can pretend that things are okay, but until you deal with it in your life, that giant is going to continue to cast a very large shadow over your life. Maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's some other vice. Maybe... Maybe it's, maybe you took a prescription that a doctor gave you for good intent, and you're just trying not to feel anything anymore. Maybe you do think about suicide. Can I tell you, you don't fix anything by ending your life. Side note, people who have tragically killed themselves, if they were saved before, they're still saved after. Well, I just don't know how someone that saved could do that. Well, how could David, who killed Goliath, later commit adultery with Bathsheba? You can do some really dumb things when you're not, when you're not thinking right, even when you're saved. No, no, to those who have those in your family, if that person was saved before, they're saved after, hallelujah. I just want to tell you this. You don't fix anything by ending your life or hurting yourself. That's... That's not the solution. That's a giant. For some of you, it might be forgiveness. You're like, I just, I want, I want to see God work. 
but how, but what I'm confronted with is this massive giant that keeps me awake at night, that overwhelms me, that makes me afraid. And I just, I, I don't want to have to deal with it. But you're forgetting God has a purpose. And there is a God who can work. I'm not saying, I'm not saying ignore the existence of a giant. Here's what I am saying, is do not ignore the existence of God and how you face your giant. The, look, I've got, I've got three points I'm going to give you and then we'll be done. But, but, but please get this. You know who the guy saw, the, the soldier saw? They saw the giant. Look, please get this. Please get this. I'm, I'm going to minister to a people in a way, not to where I'm ignoring giants, but I want to help them see God. Now, when people come and they're like, Pastor, this is a mess, or this is hard, or I don't know how, or I'm just so ashamed, or I'm so angry, or hurt, or whatever it is, I'm not, I'm not saying we need to dismiss the existence of a giant. You just need to see that there is a God. Everyone in that army, you know what they saw? They saw a giant. David saw a giant. David wasn't like, oh, everything's good and rosy and I love unicorns and give me some ice cream and oh, life's just so happy and I'm here to see the war, yay! No, that's what Eliab accused him of. No, 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 no. David was more a man of God as a teenager than any of those men were. You know what he saw? He saw a God. He saw God. I'm not saying ignore the giant. I'm saying don't cease to see the God who is greater than the giant. Three things, very simple. You've heard them before. Number one, the God inside of you is bigger than the giant in front of you. Maybe you could say it this way. The giant that you can see is much smaller than the God that you can't see. He's in you. And he's bigger than. Number two, you don't have to do what you can't. Look at, go down to verse number 38. David's finished compelling Saul to let him go face the giant and Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head also he armed him with a coat of mail and David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it and David said unto Saul I cannot go with these for I have not proved them and David put them off him you see Saul all of a sudden he, he tells David there's no way you can win okay go ahead and fight him but here take all my stuff that I'm too afraid to use God, and, and so David puts on a man who's much taller than him. David puts on his armor, and it, it just doesn't work for obvious reasons. This isn't functional. I've not proved them, meaning I don't know how to use them. I'm not an expert with a sword. I'm not an expert in maneuvering and fighting with this kind of weight on me. I'm used to a sling. I'm used to a staff. I'm used to my hands, as he dictated in the previous verses. And so David is, is sitting there saying, I, I cannot fight him in this armor. Get it? God doesn't expect you to do what you can't do. But David didn't stay there. David went to a brook, picked up five smooth stones, and then faced the giant with the sling. You're not responsible for what you can't do or control, but you are responsible for what you can do. 
so many times we focus on two things. We focus on what we can't do. Well, I can't go back and change that. I, I can't make them think this. I can't undo that. I can't remove these scars that I have. God doesn't expect you to do what you can't do. He does expect you to do what you can. Take the stones that you can. Face the giant that you can. And submit to being obedient. I love this about David. We, I didn't point it out, but we read in the previous verses how when Jesse sent David, David left his stuff and he went and he did it with haste. He obeyed as he was commanded. He did it with energy. You need to stop looking at the things you can't do and focus on the things that you, that you can do. No, I can't, I can't change that person's heart, but I can pray for them. I can't undo the hurt that they did, but I can forgive, and I can stop looking back, and I can start looking forward. I can't undo the things that I wish I had done differently, but I sure can believe in a Savior who takes away my shame, who died for every wrong thing that I could ever do, and he doesn't want me living under the shadow of my regrets. He wants me living under the light of his love and his hopefulness and his forgiveness, and you can enter a new day if you choose choose to in your life. Another thing that we get distracted with is not only what we can't do, but we look at what other people are doing. Hey, I'm almost done. Please get it. Please get it. You know what he didn't do? David didn't sit around there saying, man, look at my older brothers, losers. They're not doing anything. I don't think we understand the ramifications of how significant David's stand was. An entire army, along with the king, was cowering. And David didn't one time say, well, look at what they're doing. You know what he did? Is there not a cause? If you're not going to do anything, I'll be happy to step up and show you. Look, look, please get this. Stop Stop living your life. Using other people as your excuse. Stop living your life. Using other people as an excuse. Well, you, you don't know how hard. I agree. I'm never going to pretend that I understand every heartache and hardship and loss. I won't. That is sacred ground. I don't understand every hard thing you've ever been through. But there is a God. And if you believe that the God in you is greater than the giant that is in front of you, then stop looking at the critics. Stop looking at those who have failed. Stop looking at those who have failed you. And stop using what other people are doing as an excuse for you not being obedient. There are far too many. Man, this, is just, this has become the American way. Is somebody else's fault. No, there are things, Brother Pablo, legitimately, that are other people's fault. And there have been times in you and Ms. Christella's life where you have felt the sting of what other people have done, and they were not your fault. But you had a decision to make. I'm either going to submit to following the God who is, or I'm going to live my life blaming what other people have done for me. 
And the reason you are where you are today and have the family that you have and have grandkids that are being raised to know Jesus Christ is because you chose not to live life making an excuse based on what other people are doing, but you're going to live your life following God. Look, I know, look, you may get tired of hearing this, but you, you need to be inspired by this. Yelena Kadzi has demonstrated such great faith to our church family. When you are 31 with five kids and your husband is unexplicably killed in a car accident, breathing is hard. And I've said to her, I've said this, ask her, she's right here, I've said this, you're going to let us love you and help you and you're going to live by faith. One day at a time, one moment at a time. Or you're going to use this as an excuse. No one would be critical if she did use it as an excuse. But because she hasn't, God is doing amazing things in her family. And every day you see those little codsy crazy kids running around here. And you see them on Sundays, and you see them on Wednesdays. You see these little Bulgarian-Ukrainian flashes. Choom, 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 choom. Call Jordan, by, Jordan or call him Dwight. He's all over the place. And I love it. You know what that's a testament to? I'm not going to use what's happened as an excuse for what I do right now. Number three. When you start doing what you can, that is when God starts doing what he can. Please get it. You see the giant. Do you see your giant? There, no, don't look at me. Look at your giant. Do you see your giant? There is a God who, when David stepped on that battlefield, he put a sling in there, and like he had done hundreds of Thousands of times, Brother Sharp, he took that sling, he threw that stone, and I just believe this, not only was he practiced and accurate because he was those things, but there was some divine intervention in that. I've heard people talk about God turned it into a supersonic missile. I don't know, but that stone hit the sweet spot. And if you study his armor, the one spot that he was vulnerable in, God took that stone, took the preparedness and the courage and the faith of a young man to sling that stone when everybody else was cowering, when everybody else, it was like, it was like the college football playoff. There's no way TCU's going to beat Michigan, for crying out loud. They're the horned frogs. What kind of mascot is that? But that's why you play the game, because you don't know what can happen. And this is more than a game, and this is more than an uncertain outcome. We have a God who is working on our behalf. But he's not going to start doing things in your life until you're willing to do the thing that's right in front of you. You just need to get on the battlefield and take that stone and say, okay, by faith. By faith, I'm going to forgive. By faith, I'm going to humble myself. By faith, as I go through this chemo, I'm not going to give up. By faith, I'm going to hurt, but I'm not going to make my kids bitter. When you're looking at the giant, don't fail to see the God. 
when you're looking at your giant, don't fail to see your God. Here's the question. If you believe God, what are you supposed to do with your giant right now? If your giant has a name, whether it's a big one or a less big one, if your giant has a name, what is the thing that you're supposed to do right now? What's the step? What's the stone? What's the sling? What is the thing you're supposed to do? I want 23 to go amazingly well, but it won't be without giants. And if it goes well, and it can, it's not going to be because there aren't giants. It will be because we face them with the knowledge of who God is and our willingness to be obedient to him where we are. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For our guests, we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to embarrass anybody, come to anybody. Just we believe that we we do believe that God gives us the courtesy of talking to us. And I and I hope this morning that you heard God. I know it was my voice, and I know it's imperfect. I know it's frail. But I I hope that through my voice, the truth that is conveyed, you heard God say something to you. In just a moment, Brother Nate's going to start singing after I pray. I want to ask you, though, do you have a giant? Number one, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Number one, do you have a giant? Would you be honest and raise your hand and say, I have a giant? Yeah, I see him going up all over the place. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Look, look, I thank you for respecting and, and keeping your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm just telling you, there are very few hands that didn't go up right there. They're, they're, this room is filled with people facing giants of one kind or another. And you are not alone. My brother, my sister, you are not alone. There are giants, but you're not alone. Not. Here's, here's the second question. In the process of thinking about your giant, in the process of thinking about the truth that was being conveyed. Has God shown you or talked to you or do you have some idea there is something specific I need to do in relation to this giant? I know it. I just am struggling to want to do it. I'm afraid of it. I'm hurt by it. I'm not humble enough, whatever it is. Or maybe you'd say, I just, I know I need to do something, but I don't know what. With every head bowed, every eye closed, would there be anyone who would say, God convicted me this morning. There is something I know I need to do. Or you'd say, I'm struggling to know what to do. Would you be honest and raise your hand one more time? Yep. God bless you. God bless you. So let's do this. Let's, let's Let's start the year off the right way. Far too many times we raise our hands and we don't respond. Look, there's nothing magical about coming to an altar or praying, kneeling down and praying where you're at. But there is a God who's listening. And if he gave us the courtesy of talking to us, we ought to give him the courtesy of responding. And this morning, you don't have to face your giants alone. And if there's a divine resolution that you could make, it would be this. Face your giants with God in view. See, believe the God that you cannot see when facing the giant that you can see. So this morning, if God has convicted you, dealt with you, talked to you, take the time to respond to him. Let's all stand together. Father, would you please help us to be responsive to you?
us to honor you. Lord, I know, I know people are facing giants. I know there are battles and there are heartaches. I know there are things that I don't even know about. And yet, God, you see in this room, you see people whose hearts are hurting with the presence of giants whose hearts are afraid. God, would you help your people to respond to you? Help us to see you as we see our giant in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Nate, you begin to sing. We want someone to pray with you. Get my attention. We'll be happy to pray with you. So.